Welcome to Never Ending Stories, a podcast about, well, typically about Bob Dylan and the Never Ending Tour. Today, about Mr. Van Morrison, and uh, I don't know what the name of his tour is, but it's whatever's happening in Montreux in 1980. I'm Ian. <laughs> I'm Evan. And today we're thrilled to be joined by Mr. Chris Black of, you folks out there all know already, it's How Long Gone. Hey guys, how are you? Thank you for having me. Um, and thank you for kind of deviating from the script a little bit to, to let me talk about uh, something that, that I have, have watched countless <laughs> times in my, in my life. Uh, but <laughs> we don't need any uh, additional, Evan doesn't need any additional urging to start talking about Ben <laughs> in the 1980s. So uh, there's no, <laughs> no problems here. No, no, this has become a brain virus. <laughs> the show has been uh, compromised by, by Van Morrison. Okay. And Ian, whether he likes it or not, is living in that world now. It's funny to me because I think of Van Morrison as kind of a, a crowd pleaser in a lot of ways. But I, I find that there are people that I wouldn't say anti, but maybe they're not part of the movement. The movement. Yeah. 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 So I I don't know what that is because to me it's it's pretty straight down the middle in in a good way. I mean maybe maybe that's my simpleton mind and taste revealing themselves. But does that is that fair to say? This is how I feel, and I feel like (laughs) I am constantly being gaslit by the world because how do you listen to this and not just be happy? Like a big smile on your face, and and people somehow uh, miss the forest for the trees, so to speak. I mean, it could be some Irish racism. I don't know. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to throw it out there. Part of it, (laughs) but I just find it. Yeah, I find it. I was talking to to um, my group chat about it today. I was like, I'm recording uh, this afternoon. Let me send you guys some excellence here just to show you. You know, and I sent them the clip from from the last waltz. And they're all just like, no, nah, this isn't really for me. I'm like, really? really? This Whoa. isn't for you? Mm-hmm. This is like a pretty high level of performance here. saying the leg kicks were as high as they should have been but they were there you know i think we we need to call a spade a spade it's body shaming oh it's body shaming (laughs) yes it is body you're right i mean look he he doesn't have the looks uh that some of our our great rock legends have he hasn't aged very well um politically or physically and you know that that happens. He's slimmed down. He's looking fly as hell these days. He's a tight. I was trying to make like a sanctimonious plea for like you need to support this plus sized legend, but he I actually can't do that now because he's like a sort of raisin like figure. Yeah, yeah, he has point. kind of dried out in uh, yeah. under the sun. It's ageism now. Yeah, yeah. Pick your poison. Um, um, I was just in Vegas. Jason and I were just in Vegas working on like our How Long Gone show, and and there was ads for him everywhere because he's playing. You know, he's doing his residency there. Like for other other guys, you should talk about on this show, Usher, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a handful of other legends, obviously. Of um, and I, I, he didn't look great in those kind of jumbotrons, but that could have been the Vegas sun, you know, kind of <laughs> distorting, distorting his look. You know the Irish aren't built for the American Southwest. There's a there's a clash no, there no, just no, no. in terms he's, of the actual uh, you know uh, physiology. He's not leaving the suite at Caesars. He's not leaving <laughs> Caesars. He's staying in the air conditioning the whole time. He's got a, Indoors, one hundred percent of the time. He's not. He's not going outside to shoot guns or anything. 
Yeah, but to hear him tell it, he's like wandering on hills all the time and I, sort of uh, <laughs> with like writing a song on a mountaintop and whatever. But um, his voice is is more important than his than his visage. I would That's say. True. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. And we got Stephen here ahead. real quick. I'm just going to get him in uh, so Stephen's we can get the whole the crew going. All right, Chris. What up? About five minutes in, we're talking about Van Morrison. Just uh, you know, his uh, what? What did you say, Chris? You said it's right down the middle to you. This is music that everyone should be able to enjoy, and yet your group chat was not digging the last waltz. Yeah, yeah. Some of my peers were not digging it quite the same way, and and they're you know. They they can be open minded, but I guess I do the same thing when they send me some fucking dance music or something. Just like I don't like <laughs> like whatever. But to me, Van Morrison is kind of American songbook type shit, you know. Oh yeah. So being being not into it is uh, is surprising, even from some of these uh, more more open minded folks. But what happened to you uh, to make this? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> What happened to you? Yeah, when did this? Because uh, I can pin my uh, real conversion to like van fandom to twenty twenty and just listening to uh, to Common One actually, which is right around the era of the show that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about a bit. A record that's well represented on this show. William Blake. Yeah, 1980, and I was just like, I had no idea that this was how he sounded in 1980, and it sparked from there. But w- what about you? I don't even know. Honestly, I, I'm not totally sure. But like, I, I think Astral Weeks has just been in the in the in my brain. I guess I don't know. It feels like something that's always been there a little bit. Mm. Um, but I think honestly, when I'm when I kind of start spending more time in California. It's very like drivable music to me. It, <laughs> you know what I mean? A little bit. And I think maybe that has influenced my tastes a little bit. I think Van Morrison, like Moondance, Astral Weeks, those are both things also that my girlfriend and I can agree on. Um, and I think it's because her dad listened to it a lot when she was growing up. So she has an appreciation for it. So sure. it's kind of music in the household in some ways. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, but I, I, it feels, I don't know why it feels very, uh, California to me. It feels very appropriate for the setting. I'll say. I see that at some, I mean, it's, uh, it is California music, to be honest. A lot of what Van was doing in the eighties was recorded up here in the Bay area, right over yeah. like in Marin, uh, beautiful vision. There's a song on there about a bridge, like in the Bay up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was hanging out like where the dead hung out. Uh, San Rafael and kind of stuff. Um, so, like, there is there, there's some sort of spiritual uh, 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 verisimilitude or similarity or something. Yeah. You know, especially uh, the the Elron Hubbard Scientology angle. Also, like, you know, Lord knows that's California shit. So uh, that is California on, shit for one brief day. That Van, was there was a Van moment was on that wavelength for a little while. Wavelength. Speaking that, of wow, nice. that, that was that was there for purpose. What about Stephen? What about for you? You came up a few years before we did. Did you start with kind of like the classics, the Astral Weeks and Moon Dance with Van, or were you more of a uh, you know a deep cut fella like Evan? I think everyone like when they start with Van, you, you start with like Astral Weeks, Moon Dance, uh, that like late sixties, early seventies period, that like rock and soul, you know. Uh, St. Dominic's preview, that all uh, period. And that was definitely like where I started. But I think like when my van 
fandom deepened it was like mm-hmm. when i started uh listening to like the late 70s into the 80s period and i think like with me and van and this is like, i think especially pertinent to this show that we're talking about is that like there's a certain magic trick that happens when mm-hmm. you listen to van morrison because he's this frumpy <laughs> grumpy guy <laughs> you know, perpetually upset and like he doesn't look like a pop star or a rock star. And especially this is true like in the eighties, I think. And then he starts mm. singing and it's like the most beautiful music you've ever heard. And for me, like that's I think the essential uh part of the appeal mm. of Van Morrison, especially as he ages in the middle age, that he is this sort of outwardly spiteful person. And like, I think especially like in his songs, he starts like writing these like very spiteful songs, like where, you you know, he talks about people like ripping him off and he's like been screwed over by the music industry. Like he starts explicitly expressing this in his songs. I will get ripped off my song. I will get ripped off my word. And yet he yeah. opens his mouth. The voice of an angel. Yeah, and, and I just love that, you know, dichotomy that happens with Van Morrison. I think that's like so specific to him. It's like such a fascinating divide. Well it's it reminds you that like like all, he's talking about spiritual stuff often and it kind of is like case in point like you can you don't have to be like nice to believe in in spiritual ideals um and this brings us to the show that you picked chris which is i think a really interesting point to start cuz it's actually exactly what we were talking about this is a lot of older material and some of that turning point material that goes into the 80s so this is a great place for somebody to start who is like, I like Brown Eyed Girl, I like uh, Astral Weeks, and I don't know or want to know anything else. Yeah, it's like Van Morrison Next Steps. Like, this is not the uh, basic uh, first first Spotify playlist you put on. It's the second Spotify playlist you put on. I'm not even, I mean, I, I know I'm dealing with a room full of experts, um, <laughs> Stephen in particular, uh, you know, encyclopedic knowledge of this, encyclopedic knowledge of this. I think I literally, I watch a lot of live performances on YouTube. That's my main usage of YouTube. Um, I usually skew a little into like 90s, early aughts, like late night TV is kind of my zone, you know, like, um, you know, I've got a lot of like Sunvolt videos saved on my (laughs) my playlist, you know what I mean? But, But something happened when I found this. Um, and it was it was definitely like an algorithmic kind of stumble. It wasn't like I, I sought this out in particular. Um, but I was just so floored by the musicianship of this this group playing. Like it's it's unreal how um, you know quote unquote in the pocket these motherfuckers are for the <laughs> entire time that I was kind of taken aback by it. Instead of letting it kind of play in the background, I like had to watch it. Mm. Um, and I think that that's kind of like with something like this that's a little bit longer. Like if it's if it's you know 
if it's someone on on Letterman, it's like, yeah, I can pay attention for four minutes. It's not the end of the world. But something like this, it's a little bit longer. Um, like for me to physically with my eyes watch it versus have it playing in the background felt like a different experience to me a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I love this performance. I'm so glad you picked this because it is like a great period of Van where, you know, it was him in 1980. And like a lot of this set list is like, from his three most recent albums at the time. Like you've mm-hmm. got Wavelength from 78, which I feel like that was his record where I'm going to try to reclaim what Bruce Springsteen stole from me on this record. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to see you. I mean, it was it was the best seller at the time. At the time, yeah. right? Like for him, and, and it was sort because of, like he had this period like in the mid seventies, like where he was doing these really mystical jazzy records. Like Veed and Fleece comes out in seventy four, which mm. is one of my favorite Van Morrison records. But like that doesn't sell at all. And then he kind of <laughs> sure, doesn't sure. record for a few years in the mid seventies, and then he does a record called literally like a period of transition. In 77, which yes. I love. <laughs> and then... Bro, every time I see that, I'm like, this motherfucker is dramatic. Is. Like, this is dramatic. He He's very, like, very meta record. But then, like, Wavelength, yeah, I feel very... like, was him saying, like, okay, there's so many people... I think in Van Morrison's mind, where he was like, there's so many people, like, ripping off, like, my rock and soul mystical thing. Springsteen the most prominent but then you've got like Elvis Costello like er, like early Costello's very Van Morrison influenced like Grant like Grant Parker mm. you know like all like the pub rock people like in England mm. very Van Morrison influenced like the Rolling Stones <laughs> the Rolling <laughs> yeah exactly the pub rock band right. my favorite pub rock the ultimate pub rock band <laughs> yes. the Rolling Stones so like Van's just like I'm gonna do like songs like Kingdom Hall you know like I'm gonna like reclaim this sound and that's a great record. And then he does like Into the Music, 79. Fucking banger record, t- top to bottom. That's a great record. Just incredible. I'm liking you, song to say. Another show, somewhere entirely different to be. But baby, you make me feel so free. And it's kind of like, He's still kind of doing the wavelength thing, but it's you feel like he's tr- also pointing towards what he's going to do in the eighties. It feels mm. a little more sort of space, uh, you know, like dreamy and like kind of Christian too. Like get the Christian thing coming in. The healing has begun. Yeah, <laughs> and then you got like common one where you have like summertime in England, like the fifteen minute. Total jazzy. Yeah, it's rock tough star. for me. The, fi- the, the, fi- the 15 minute, you know, uh, lyrical ballad is a little tough for me personally. <laughs> you, um, don't say. I, you know, I, I know it's not, I'm a little more of a, you know, don't bore us, get to the chorus type of cat. Um, but in his case, I will like, I, I don't, I appreciate some meandering. Y- you know what I mean? But 15 minutes is getting dangerously close to jazz. What? Well, I think like the live version is like shorter than the album version, which is like, yeah, it which is, is, yeah, like, it which is. is insane. So, you know, cause like the album, like, like, like the live version here, like on live on Montreux is only like, 
like 10 minutes. A brisk 10 minutes. And on yeah, the record, yeah. it's 15. Crazy. So, like, he is tightening it up. saying that it's like bruce-esque but i can't help but think about budokan here and what dylan was doing in 78 and yeah. that era and there's like that version of uh it stoned me that sounds like fucking grill pilled reggae no it's so it's, good. it's dubbed the fuck out i can't I, <laughs> I like sort of hate it but then i'm also like this is cool i don't know what i don't i don't want to listen to it all the time but i think it's a, an interesting take at that point, he's already got you in his pocket, and then Real he's like, kind of just <laughs> yeah, got you for two hours. But that yeah, it's yeah. really fa- it's fascinating because that spiritual uh, quality of like the earliest stuff, uh, which you know, if you listen to Astral Weeks, it's kind of a m- remarkable thing. It's such a popular record because it's so sprawling and meandering and psychedelic. And then that's like his blonde on blonde. That's like his earliest bob stuff that's holding such high regard uh, and then there is this parallel that happens here where it's like well if i fine tune and tighten that up and just like get some musicians who can just knock it the hell out uh is it still going to be like spiritual and so the result is this kind mm-hmm. of spiritual yacht rock that happens uh with these records the ones you just listed steven and this show is just kind of like in some ways, the debut of that synthesis of like, well, what if we made uh, having Blakeian visions uh, sexy? This is this is one thing I was going to throw out here because I think like when we talk about all the great bards of classic rock, you know, you know Dylan, Leonard Cohen, Neil Young, Van Morrison, Joni Mitchell. I think Van Morrison had the best 1980s. I would put his 1980s period above anyone else like i love dylan in the 80s but i think what van did he was all i mean first of all he was the most prolific artist uh, of mm. this of his gener you know like that boomer uh that singer ilk. singer songwriter generation it's like a one record a year one record a year that's how, you, that's how it used to be guys people used to put <laughs> out fucking music you know what i mean these guys were in the lab but even like you know among his peers he was putting out more records than anyone uh, anyone else and he was putting out i think a greater variety of records like he was putting out uh you know like common one which is like i think a very jazzy record he's doing like records with the chieftains irish heartbeat which is great he's doing uh these you know he's doing (laughs) inarticulate speech of the heart which is like instrumentals on that record and it's kind of like a new agey sounding album and uh my favorite album that van put out in the 80s new uh no guru no method no teacher which is such mm. a beautiful album uh i think it synthesizes a lot of what he's doing in this time i think like with dylan in the 80s which again i love but a lot of times we talk about dylan in the 80s almost being like interesting because he's failing with his production like you know, like Empire Burlesque is like a really cool record, but it's also like 
does Dylan really know what he's doing here? You know, the, that's always the question with that. Whereas I think with Van Morrison, I think he knew what he was doing and he was hitting the mark more often than not. Like, I, I, I just think he was killing yeah. it. Are you saying? Are you saying with Bob Dylan in this instance that we're like, we want him to fail, or it's just like we're not sure if it's going to land on its feet? Is that well, what, what do you? It's it's the reason Jokerman. Exists. <laughs> well, we don't want him to fail. He's interesting when he fails. Like when he makes a record like Down in the Groove, we're interested in it because it's Bob Dylan, and we're like, what is he doing here? With this album, and like, <laughs> and we find the gems in that sure, album. Sure. Whereas I think, like, with Van in the eighties, he's not, he's not failing. failing. Yeah, no, and it's maddening that people don't re- like realize it. It's like it really goes to show how undervalued he is on the whole. Because we re- have been scraping the bottom of you know Dylan to find these diamonds, <laughs> and uh, he's just a big old diamond gym up there uh, the whole time. Van, no one, no one gives a shit. No one Don't gives give a, a shit. Van found a new sound in the 80s that was like distinct to that time that was clearly not what he was doing in the 70s. Because like in the 70s, he was, you know, he started doing this like rock and soul thing in the early 70s that everyone loves. And then he did kind of like a jazzier thing. And then he kind of revived the rock and soul thing in the at the end of the seventies. But then, like in the eighties, he was kind of doing this like new age Christian Irish folk thing. Which sounds it's it's giving it's giving Renaissance fair to me sometimes, <laughs> which is a bri- which is a bridge too far yet again. Um, but I appreciate you being a little nicer about the description. Well, it's, it's the kind of music that like I was not prepared to love in my twenties for sure. <laughs> sure but sure, like sure. at some point in my late thirties, early forties, I heard it and I, I I just felt like it was so beautiful. Like I because the musicianship is undeniable and. I feel like the through line with Van Morrison is always his voice. Like his, cause you know, like we, we joke about this on our show, uh, you know, cause we, we still haven't reviewed his latest skiffle record. No, we no, will. <laughs> sure. We and, will soon. But like his voice, I'll wait with bated breath on that. I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> you and you and all of the rest of the fucking His voice audience. sounds <laughs> incredible. His voice is, he's like one yeah, of the great singers of all time. And so is, Sure. Yeah. So no even when he's there. doing like a shitty record, you're just like his voice sounds so good, and um, so yeah, I think in the '80s, like I, I just think he found new avenues to explore, uh, mm. that was me... unprecedented in his previous career. You know, and I think I don't know if you can say that about his contemporaries. Let me ask you a question, guys. Just a quick poll here. What? drug is he on during this performance (laughs) well he's on a downer i think there's a lot of closed eyes he's blasting darts up there in between verses blasting Blasting. (laughs) he's wearing like just this tight yellow shirt and like holding a little cigarette yeah he looks like shit smoking (laughs) he looks like shit but he looks amazing at the same time right totally totally i mean i don't know if we're gonna go through like our normal categories here like if we're gonna like talk about like pretty good stuff one of my favorite things of the of this performance is like when he's singing Troubadours, which is a great song from Into the Music, and he's like holding a cig 
the entire yeah. time. And then I think like <laughs> Pee Wee Willis does like a sax solo and then he's like taking drags. <laughs> It's cool. This is cool. It's, it's so, so cool. cool. And it's like, man, you have this great voice. You're and you're smoking cigarettes, man. Like Imagine if someone did that today though. Imagine that. Like yeah. I imagine that. If Adele was just blasting a cig on stage, like it's like it'd be un we would like we would be both appalled and falling in love even more. It's the only person who does that is Maddie Healy, and it's like so obviously like uh, put on Actually, he, you know what I think the cigarette cigarettes are real. I think the alcohol might be a prop. That's what yeah. I that's what I've that's what I think. But I, I know what you mean. I know it's an mean. affectation. The amazing thing about Van with the cigs is like his voice literally is like Adele quality is the thing right yeah, like yeah. you think of Adele as like the absolute heights of the heights just on a technical like yeah, you know exactly. her chest you know she can just belt out these huge her diaphragm bro her diaphragm oh second don't even none. get me started don't get me best, started best diaphragm in the business but <laughs> Van has the same kind of quality and he's just sucking down half a pack up there in between songs <laughs> Well, I mean, like the big thing we we need to talk about in this performance, in terms of like Van's vocal, and I don't know if this is in Pretty Good Stuff or in Oh Mercy. I want to put it in Pretty Good Stuff. These are our categories, by the way, Chris, where we talk about the yeah. the good things, the bad things, and then there's there's a several more obscure in joke themed categories. <laughs> I got I picked up on that. You're astute. Let's just go to Tupelo, honey. The part where Van speaks like the verse that's and so then he cool. sings it and he's like uh, bah, 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 bah. you know like, like like he just does this thing there's an aspect of it where you're like is he just totally doing shtick when he's actually singing because he can slip into his van morrison voice so cleanly but then at the same time, it, I, I don't know. I, to me, like that's the beginning of the, of the that's the beginning and the ending of this performance. Like that verse shows him as like the grumpy guy in the transcendent van. Like all, it, it, it's like a like a bipolar performance. Like in that mm. one particular verse. Where he's like, you get both sides. You get both sides. You get an angel <laughs> on your shoulder and a devil exactly. on your shoulder. Exactly. Van on one shoulder, like doing the heavenly singing, and then the other one, he's like just kind of breathing into your ear between drags on totally. the stage. Totally. <laughs> we got the road to freedom. We got the road to freedom. They can't keep us on the road to freedom. They can't keep us on the road to freedom. They can't keep us because our eyes can see. 
Like he's doing that thing where he's like, "This is the next line, so you can sing along." But then he just blasts. You, you could never sing along with the next thing. Is that this something is- he does in a lot of like? Because I am not very knowledgeable about Van live. Is that a typical move on his part in other shows at other times, or is that is that more of like a one off? I think it's like a bluesy affectation because there's a lot of times when there's a call and response thing. Like he'll be on stage with another singer and they'll do the the, the line he just did. Hmm. So he's just doing it himself, I think. And this is he's giving me this like is in a trance. More like a kind of like a presidential body man type thing where they like whisper, you know, who someone is to you <laughs> so you can repeat it. It's almost it feels like that. But I guess in music we do call that call and response. So I, I, you're, you're right. You're right. But he's deep into the show at that point. Like his eyes are fully closed. He's like, this show's fucking very long. It's like two hours. Mm-hmm. And uh you say you listen to this what once a month, Chris? I, I put this on pretty often. Yeah, I have a I have a um, cleverly named list on YouTube that's just music, and so I just kind of <laughs> put all my little videos in there. I save them to my little list. But this one is is top played for sure. I love it. I love it. And right. I, I listen. I I don't even like a lot of these songs. Like I said, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I know Stevens this level with everything because he's a fucking G, but like, I'm not even like so, so fucking crazy about Van Morrison. Like, I like the records, like, I like it, but this to me is like better than the records, kind of. Mm. It's like so impressive on so many different levels that I find myself drawn to uh drawn to it almost more than putting something on itunes or whatever it's like it's it's more interesting i think to listen to yeah i mean van I think has the band the- has a lot to do with that right because like yeah this, the band's this, fucking crazy yeah, yeah they're huge and they're tight as hell and there's so many just extended moments of incredible guitar solos the horns are just out of this fucking world insane it's it's like, I, but you this know, is I, what I'm saying to you. I don't like stuff like that. Like I hate that. Usually, that was so <laughs> weird. I don't want any kind of noodling. I don't even really like guitar solos. If I'm being 100 percent honest, like I'm all set on that, you know. But like when it's this good and it's this effortless, and they they're just, it really seems like. I think bands go through these phases where they're just so good for whatever reason, whether right. it's like. You know, that it's cosmic. They've been playing together so long. The tour is good. The show is good, whatever it may be. And I think this is one of those times where it's like, I don't know if it gets better than this as far as, especially horns. Like, the horns are fucked up. Oh. Yeah, it's so... <laughs> I mean, they're fantastic. It's so good. Twisted Yeah, horns. you got, like, well, Pee Wee Willis, who's just, like, killing it on, like, sax solos. And, you know, if we're going to do the early Roman Kings category, he yeah. would be, like, a prime candidate for that. You also have, like, Mark Isham, Doing like 
like a little I, I don't know if that's like a French horn thing like on troubadours. Uh let me run down the horns for you. You got Mark Isham <laughs> on the soprano saxophone, the trumpet, the flugelhorn, the piccolo. Uh, he's like a film composer. Like he's like composed like a ton of uh, maybe I'll google this quick. Like he's done like a bunch of film scores uh like subsequent to he's this. He's worked with Brian Wilson, Joni Mitchell, XTC, Susie the Banshees, Van, oh, so he's the Sanders, goat of this shit. and he's also a Scientologist. So yeah. that guy, he's so, got it all. <laughs> look, you got to you got to make some trades in life. You know yeah. what I mean? If I could if I could play like that, I'd fucking donate my money. You know? Yeah, it's awesome. like, it's like the crossroads uh, fable of you know the of of blues lore, but it's yeah, like he met you Zenu become a, down at the crossroads. <laughs> you sell your um, thetans to to become yeah, the the greatest fine. flugelhorn player ever to play with I mean, Van Morrison. I will say like. You know, not to be the nerd of this podcast, but I have this on DVD. Well, Steven, Steven, come on. I am the nerd of the show. I have this on DVD because it's like a double DVD of like, because there's a Montreux performance from 74, which is also great. But I'm glad we did the 81 because I I think the 81 is like the shit. And the, the 74 one is the shit too, but like 80 is so good. And it is interesting listening to this versus watching the video because i do think actually Mm. watching the video elevates it and there's a moment in this show where it happens after uh they do kingdom hall i don't know if you notice this but some motherfucker i'm gonna call him a motherfucker in the audience (laughs) yells out hey van smile Ah, oh. yes, yes, yes. Where's my smile? Hey, it's a smile van again. Smile, sweetie. Yeah. Cat calling. What's up with Europeans cat calling geniuses, man? Like this is like my thing with Dylan. The fucking <laughs> what's up? No the respect. Fucking booing Dylan, what's and up so, with it's that? like, why do you need Van Morrison to smile? He's giving you this beautiful music. He's so far beyond smiles. smiles. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's like feeling every emotion. No, he's floating under above. The sun. He's floating above, and also it's hard to smile on coke. <laughs> I felt so much anger though during that. I'm like, why? Like really? Really, motherfucker, you're yelling, smile, Van Morrison. So, like, Steven, you would, you would have had this guy kicked out. Like, you're not yeah. standing for this bullshit. Exactly. Not, not on your watch. Okay. Okay. I'd love to see like a, a, a universe where you got to be his manager. That I just love this uh, scenario where it's like, Van, you were great up there. You were great up there. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It is a weird. Th- it's a weird thing to say to Van Morrison in particular. I, I will agree with you. <laughs> I will agree with you. That's a very strange thing to say. And uh, I believe there was no response to that either. So it's, no. it was... He was changing guitars. Yeah, it was taken the right way. He's like, you know what? I'm going to play another amazing song, and I'm going to sing it beautifully. Now I'm thinking about the big uh, Miller swilling oaf that was in the audience <laughs> at that uh, Zevon show exactly. that we did, who was hooting and hollering for Werewolves of London, that guy being in this audience in the middle of fucking Switzerland. Could be the same <laughs> yeah. guy. I mean, honestly, we don't know for a fact it's not the same guy. Play Moondance. In, in, in essence, it is. Moondance. <laughs> that, that, that Warren Zevon guy was my most hated, but now... Now this Van Morrison guy 
yelling smile in 1980 in Montreux. Like this this Swiss man. This Swiss devil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Swiss devil was probably the Wisconsinites like, and the Swiss. Those are the two the the two uh, uh, ethno uh, ethnographies that are on your shit list. Well, that's the other great thing about like Van's spirituality, yeah. which comes through all all over this, is like if you are catcalling him, if you are criticizing him, you're possibly pro demonic forces like you're you're i guess you're against the light and the or whatever he's always singing about that's a problem well he's turning he's turning another cheek he's turns the other cheek like a whatever good, like any yeah, good whatever you know. kind of spiritual warrior he is. spiritual warrior isn't this the same line you've trotted out against people who who shit talk saved uh yeah well okay you know what i i want to bring up saved here because <laughs> i i don't know if i've talked about this much i have listened to saved again on on vinyl and it's a really weird thing but that record bob dylan's saved is uh, a record that i think only makes sense if you like play it as a record and you're in the room playing it if you listen to it digitally like there's something about spiritual Mm. music that feels cheapened when you don't see how the effort put into it is is being done and that's why i think watching the video of this is so rewarding I don't know. There's something about like really seeing someone try to put across this like lofty spiritual idea that really sells it. Well, it's more it's more sellable with a visual. Sure. When you see him lev- levitating, it's it's it, when you're listening to it on your disc man. Amy Grant on the disc man is not hitting the same. <laughs> like you, I agree completely. Watching the record spin and just knowing that like this record was made and processed and packaged Damn. and put out. How much? How much weed? How much weed are you smoking, man? This, we're talking about watching the. I mean, we're just no. We're talking about uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> actually. Well. <laughs> You know what? The original weed, Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about Van and how like people were kind of after him, you know, shouting at him while he's up there. Um, It reminds me of another uh, uh, craftsman of uh, one could say (laughs) someone else. (laughs) Someone else was persecuted on a stage, if you will. Van Morrison and Bob Dylan, like we're both, I think sort of persona non grata 1980 i i i think they were both like at a because like common one which now i feel like is a record where if you, if you love ann morrison that's totally a masterpiece at the time people weren't talking about that being a great record i mean grail marcus um, previous guest on jokerman podcast friend, friend watch what you say steven friend of the pod right. he's a friend of the pod but like on his in his van morrison book this is like part of his part of the van morrison period where he just like dismisses it summarily like you know right starting with common one going up to like 1995 he's like oh this is just garbage i don't need to even acknowledge this period uh you know people weren't really thinking it was great and it's similar with bob i you know like at the time of this show this was june of uh 1980 bob's uh gospel tour ended like one uh, ended like i think in may oh that's right yeah. of uh of yeah. 1980 so like it ended around the same time and the, you know i think bob he went on that 1981 tour where he started playing some of his older songs again and that i think restored him a little bit but like you know bob was like at a very low point in 1980 along with van and you know it's just again we're doing podcasts now in 2023 where we're talking about how great 
these guys were in 1980, but like at the time, it was not something that people were were <laughs> you're, digging. You're acting at all. like this has been like easy sledding. Like we've got like all kinds of ambiguity about what we feel here, even just among the four of us who like him ostensibly. Like there is uh, worth some work to be done when it comes to Van Morrison. Uh, you you've been really on the right side of history, Stephen. But uh, I think that there's uh, some heavy lifting, and and yet it's also just. Music you can just vibe to. We all you know? love, but I'm just saying, like in the room here, we like, we all love this period. Like we, we all love this music that he's I think when you give it a chance, time. we all yeah. But sometimes we need space. Sometimes people need space from something to fully appreciate it. That's a common issue in in yeah. the history of music. Yeah. You know? perspective. Yeah, I think Van in particular was really willing to go far beyond the constraints of like rock and pop music uh, in the '80s to an extent that. The other people from his generation, Bob, Lou, John, Neil, uh, others, you know, whoever, um, weren't. You know, they, they all, you know, kind of moved in some directions, trying to keep up with the currents in some, you know, to some extent. Fucking uh, uh, Mistrial from Lou, Empire from Bob, Trans from Neil, whatever. Um, but Van really, you know, kind of was willing to shed, like, the entire apparatus of, like, rock songs and pop songs and stuff. And I, that, I think... To me, at least in my interpretation, is why someone like Griel would just, you know, kind of summarily dismiss everything out of hand uh, because he was just he was he was a different kind of artist. He was in a different genre operating by different principles at that point. And people uh, certainly back then uh, and even up until today, to a lesser extent, just, you know, aren't aren't interested once you move beyond a certain gate, you know, as unfair as that might be. Heart is open, and when heart is open, you will change just like a flower slowly. No, I'm often not interested once you move past a certain gate. I, I, I get that. To an, I, I, I'm just like I totally understand where it's like the 15 minute like Celtic. Fucking, I'm all set. You know what I mean? Like I get that's for somebody that ain't for me. But the beauty of having this kind of catalog and this and the same with Dylan or whoever, it's like there's there's enough in there to find something you like. So if it's, if it's, if you know, and that's the, I think that's what makes them like legends, you know, that's the whole, they point. go in both worlds. I mean, Dylan, I think that there's a similarity that can be drawn between Dylan and van where it's like early on in their careers, respectively, they like lapped themselves. Like they went so far out early on that mm-hmm. then everything after that point was like, like the expectations could never be met. Uh, it was always go- like, Definitely. they went to the, the moon and back with like, you know, Blonde on Blonde and Astral Weeks, uh, respectively. And then for Van, it's like, having gone that far, he's totally prepared to make a rock format into, like, a spiritual vehicle. And then Bob is is kind of the secular version of that for the longest time, where he's, like, he was having, like, kind of an LSD style uh, profundity in his early music rather than like a spiritual one that's like connected to paganism. And then both of them at different times 
kind of land at this place of like, well, whatever that out there thing was, let's put a good beat to it and get some really sick sax players. <laughs> Bring it back down to earth. Yeah, or, or weld them together. And <laughs> mm. I think in Bob's case, as like a, a evangelist, he was like, what's the most effective way to get the message across? It's to make like really hard driving music that people like rock music. And with Van, I think he was probably doing something similar. He's like, I want to amp it up and match the times, match the tempos, but still be as uh, whatever, Celtically spiritual as he is or something. Celtically <laughs> spiritual. I believe I, I believe I'm transcending myself, I give the invocation to the protective angel. It goes like this. I do feel like with 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 Dylan that there is more of a willingness to like look outside of his sort of accepted peak eras and say like oh yeah like this thing like his Christian era is good or like his uh, you know like eighties period is interesting. I think with Van Morrison and and maybe this is following up something you were saying Evan earlier is that like it's still like kind of uh, I don't want to say taboo, but like anything really beyond like Astral Weeks and Moon Dance. Yeah, I think like like in terms of like the popular consciousness, like that's still like where Van Morrison lives, right? Or like, or uh, it's too late to stop now. Like that record, like that sound for for Van Morrison. There's like a whole body of work that people like that the majority of people maybe like still haven't really contemplated. With with Van Morrison, what would your estimation be on what what would cause people to discover that? I don't know. D- dying? I don't know because yeah. I mean Van is such a sour person, and he had this like weird COVID thing, like where you know, like 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 for me, like with I don't think that he was like anti-vax or anything. I think he's just like a sour person. I'm more willing to like overlook that because I just think that's part of his cantankerous well, I can separate thing. the art from the art i can separate the well, art from the artist as well Stephen. yeah don't, yeah don't beat yourself up over it it's no problem <laughs> for me i have to interject and give my my little defense my elevator pitch defense of him in the COVID. let's thing. do it it's different Thank than God. like him and eric clapton for instance <laughs> yes but like eric, eric clapton did eric eric did not help him in that uh struggle <laughs> No, not Eric. Don't act, you don't fucking know Eric. Don't call him us, Mr. Clapton. <laughs> but but Van just was, I think, incensed that anybody was telling him not to play music. That's it. Yeah, it's like a bigger like anti-authority thing with him. That's right. You know, which I think is like an overriding thing. I like an anti-authority stance from like an eighty-year-old rich guy. That's exactly. my favorite. That's yeah. my favorite anti-authority figure. Um, He's just a simple troubadour traveling the world, singing his songs, and I think he really believes that. 
uh, traveling the the strip of Las Vegas, singing his songs for fucking five thousand dollar tickets. Uh, Takes a forty dollar flight on JSX from fucking LA to Vegas and with his acoustic <laughs> guitar and walks on out there. I mean, I think that that maybe is not a bad way for him to think, though. Honestly, that might no, keep, that might keep you kind of keep you in a zone you need to be in versus you know going going over the top chris you're telling me that you don't have a spiritual feeling from this music you just appreciate it on a level of a uh, of just craftsmanship me per- me personally yeah you don't find yourself closing your eyes and drifting off into a celtic mist when you hear I, this i wish i could do that but unfortunately my cold dead heart won't allow that um but no i mean i don't think of i don't know if i ever think of music spiritually unfortunately i think i either really like it or i really don't and it's kind of a binary issue for me um, but I do think that this gets close to kind of flotation. You know, this does get close to, because I also think that's the intentions and I know that I, I feel like that's the intention from him. So I respect mm. it more. Yeah. I mean, I think with Van Morrison, um, and again, like just to go, you know, to say my piece about the COVID thing, I feel like in a weird way with me, the fact that he's always been grumpy makes it easier mm. for me to disregard that stuff because I feel like he's just a grump no matter what. Do you have do you have a kind of do you have a soft spot for grumpiness? Do you consider yourself a little bit grumpy? Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think yeah. you know, the magic trick and I'll bring that up again like that he can be this sour person who makes such beautiful music enhances my love of him because you know, if you're going to talk about like spirituality and like transfiguration, like that is like the purest expression of that. That like you have mm-hmm. this impure vessel that can express something so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like that is like such a great thing. I think that that is the definition of spirituality. You know, someone who is imperfect who can express like a godly like beauty. That's a no. That's a good point. You know what I, I mean. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, he's sent here to deliver. Yeah, yeah, that he's like, and he's like this frumpy, balding guy who opens his mouth, and it's like so. It's like wow, it's like the greatest vocals I've ever heard. Can you can you imagine how fucked up it would be if Van Morrison was hot? Oh man! <laughs> oh my god! See, I wouldn't like it as much. I wouldn't like it as much. I like that. I wouldn't like it. Either. I like it that I, he's I not like hot. I like it in this video. That he's like coming up, he's frowning, he's balding, and he's like, and then he starts playing uh, Kingdom Hall, and it's like, this is fucking great. Look at this guy. He's doing it. <laughs> it's the unbridled confidence of somebody who believes in what he's doing more than he believes in him. It, it, it's like he, it's very egoless, honestly. Mm. Like you think, oh, like he's he's merely a vessel for this delivery, and he can only like that's all he can do is step up to the mic and fucking sing. There's not a lot of thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like in a way, Van Morrison is like the best argument that God exists. I, there it is. because it's like if this guy sounds like this, it sounds like something Evan should be saying. <laughs> Thank you. This is, this is very this is very cool. This is very very cool. Yeah. So you're now we've we've turned this into Van Morrison singer songwriter is the reason that yeah. God exists. No, not the reason proof, that God proof, exists. Proof, that he's like proof that proof. God exists. That he's like that he's evidence that that someone like that can express that kind of beauty. I think in a way you could say, okay, this could be 
used as an argument. Evidence of the divine. For God existing. And I say this as someone who does not believe in God. Okay. But like, I believe in... Raise your hand. Who believes in God in in this? (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah, not me. But I like that... What was that line, Stephen? I think we have a Van Morrison shirt idea. I don't believe in God. I believe in Van yeah. Morrison's a nice. That could be merch for you guys too. I'm not. That's a free one. That's on me. I don't. Van's I know you guys... team would be all over that. We'd get a cease and desist in about 90 minutes after that well, went up. Van's on the team. Van's team only communicates through Facebook, so it'd be a little slower than that. But I think you could. I think you could get there. You know, after I give them some time. Chris, I know you got to. You got to jump uh, shortly. You got any? Parting thoughts. You, can you give us a three-star rating on a scale of one to three, no half-stars, one, two, or three for Van Morrison live at Montreux, 1980? Oh, for me, this is a three. I'm 100%. <laughs> I, again, I'm not a guy who is... I, I've I, Being this enamored with musicianship is out of character for me, and I don't know why this has struck me as much as it has, but it really has, and it's stuck with me, and I think it's like a really special thing, and, and it's one of those rare times where... um. I'm really, uh, I find uh, just unbridled joy from watching something on YouTube besides my chiropractor videos. <laughs> so this is, this is a high-ranking performance, guys. This it is, is really great. Chiropractor video. Yeah, this is Van Morrison and the chiropractor videos. But I, I really, I thank you guys for having me. I think what you guys do is, is so cool. And um, I, I love being the dumbest guy in the room about the subject <laughs> at hand because I felt like I learned something from you guys. Um, and that's, that was my only hope of participating in, in the show. You're too kind. We've learned something from you, which is that uh, even a hardened bi-coastal elite is not left unmoved by the, the spiritual uh, sound of this man. No. No, nothing, nothing can do it like him. I think you'll become like a born-again Christian watching this at some point. The door is cracked open, Chris. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I've been teetering and I've been getting some encouragement for some dark forces in my life to kind of take the Hillsong type approach because of my looks uh, and Southern upbringing in the church. I have like, I'm, I know the terminology and I've got tattoos and I could wear like Amiri and Fear of God and kind of get these celebrities to give me their money. Um, and maybe if that happens, I could get Van to play kind of a Sunday morning set over it, over at How Long Gone Ministries. <laughs> Who was a martyr? Jesus? Van Morrison? <laughs> Don't make me choose, Stephen. Uh, no, but I really, I really appreciate you guys, and thank you for having me and um and and letting me kind of choose something to learn oh. about and talk about with you guys. It was a pleasure. Pleasure's all ours. <laughs>
Follow the road. 